Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. If you're looking for a way to start your self-care journey or looking for a unique gift to give to someone at Christmas, check out my new book, The Ultimate I Deserve a Break Coloring Book. It's filled with inspirational designs created by me um, all around giving and uh, living intentionally. So if you'd like to check that out, it's available on Amazon as well as my new website at www.neliahut.com. Dot com. That's www.neliahutt.com. Welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm your host, Nelia Hutt. Thank you so much for those of you who have joined us today. I have a remarkable new friend on. Her name is Nikki Pike. Welcome, Nikki. How are you today? I am doing really good. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited for our conversation today, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're in Alberta. I am. Great. I love interviewing Canadians as well. This is great. Um, so yeah, I want to, oh, I want to share with you um, Nikki's message today. Um, I think it's one that the audience um, and listeners at home will really. Um, be able to learn from and we'll really be able it's, it's going to be a powerful episode so I just want to let you know a little bit about Nikki um, so Nikki she's a podcast host herself um, she's the host of life as dot 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 with Nikki Pike beautiful podcast by the way I recommend you guys checking it out um, Nikki's journey is one of growth and loss loss and growth to the point sometimes that it felt that she was stuck on repeat but even though life has knocked her down more than once these last few years, her challenges, her struggles, they did not define her. Nikki's story is about how she survived her losses and challenges and how she is now living her life the best way she knows how, which is one day at a time. And that's all we can ask for, right? One day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah. So thank you so much, Nikki, for... Um, yeah, for, you know, for coming on the show and, and feeling that is, it is a safe place to tell your story. And I, I love when people can do that and come from a place of honesty. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I think sharing, well, I always say it, sharing is healing. So yes, yes. And I love your podcast. I know I've said that, but it's, it's, it's great. <laughs> so, so who is Nikki? Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Well, I, I can. Do you want me to go back or start the last five years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So today, I, I think we should talk about how, um, you know, life is, knocks us down sometimes and how we can uh, get back, 
get back to living our lives. And, and I know that um, you speak a lot about the labels that are put upon us um, on your podcast as well and how we can strip them away. So if you could tell us a little bit about, um, I know that you have experienced some loss in the last five years and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, the part of my life that I've been sharing and that's been helping me to heal through sharing is it goes back to 2015. So it started with my divorce and divorce comes with a whole bunch of labels. Suddenly I was divorced, which is a huge label in itself. I'm a single mom. Um, the labels just kind of kept piling up to the point that I didn't know who I was anymore because all I was, was these labels that people referred to me as. And I lost myself in those labels and just in all of the emotions that I was feeling and going through that. And as I was going through my divorce, my mom, um, who I was very close to, got diagnosed with dementia and she went downhill very quickly. So 2016, she was diagnosed. She was gone 2019. Mm -hmm. So it was quite a quick progression. Um, her death was unexpected. Even the doctors called and said, we're so sorry. Like she was doing better. She was we were finally getting her stable. Everything was coming together with her medication and just everything. And she just decided it was her time and she went in her sleep, which, hey, I hope that's how I get to go. So I, that I found some peace in that, knowing that in my mind, she went on her terms. She was very strong, very independent. And I, I believe she went on her terms and she wasn't suffering anymore because dementia is a really awful disease. So there's two losses there. It's the loss of you're losing your mom to dementia because now you're learning a new side of her and then the loss of her passing away yeah and right before she had passed like I every day with dementia yeah you you almost lose another piece of them because you see a shift in their personality you you see a shift in their physical you see something else that's been taken from them which is taken from was being taken from me too because she was my mom and her and my daughter were so close and so I was watching my daughter I mean, she was three during the divorce. So, you know, she was very young, but my mom babysat her all the time so I could work. So we had this as kind of the three of us. Um, it was always me and my mom. And then it was me and my daughter and my mom. And so watching my daughter grieve when she didn't know what was going on because she was I'd just turning six when my mom passed, mm. it was really hard. Um, so yeah, it's, there was a lot of loss before the loss, if that makes sense. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I really struggled with losing my mom. Um, I felt like I had overcame things in my life before that felt like I had, you know, I, I had things that I had overcome. So I felt like I was a very strong person. And then in losing my mom, I didn't feel so strong anymore. And I went to a place that I don't know. I don't think I ever saw myself going. Mm -hmm. And that was part of my struggle with losing my mom was I, for the first time in my life, I didn't know what to do. I mean, with my mom, it, it wasn't so much. I didn't know what to do. I, I couldn't like, I just couldn't. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of started, she passed away at the end of March, 2019. And so it took me the rest of 2019 to really pick myself back up. And 2020, I started to do that. I went to Costa Rica for a work conference. I took my daughter to Hawaii. I was just trying to get back out and get to living. And then COVID hit and suddenly I was a single mom parenting and teaching and running a business. And I mean, we all know what COVID was like. Mm. So that was great fun. And then 
December 1st, 2020, my brother fell and hit his head and died of a hematoma. So that one, Mm. there's a lot that I haven't actually talked about in my podcast in regards to my brother and his passing yet. Um, He very much struggled with losing our mom and her dementia, and he had never recovered from that. And in his struggle, we had had lots of big conversations about, you know, getting him healthy and he needed to take some steps and he needed to do some things. So when he passed, I actually thought that he had made that choice himself. Mm. And I, I accepted that the day that I got the call, the day that he passed, I was like, okay, if this was his choice, then I will honor him and respect him in that. And then we got the autopsy results and found out he had died and hit his head from the hematoma. And then I got really angry. Oh, I don't know if I've ever felt anger like that in my life. Yeah, it's a freak accident, right? Like just something that could have, yeah. Could have happened to anyone. I'm so sorry for both of your losses and, and, you know, other losses that you've had. It it really, um, it changes who we are. It changes how we feel about things. It, it, it makes us look at life differently. That was my experience. And it's, it's very surreal. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, it, it is surreal. And with my brother, I really didn't know what to do. And in my mind, I was like, no, I, I do know what to do because you survived losing your mom. So you'll survive this too. But the logic just wasn't, mm. wasn't there. And like, I've had people ask me, um, it's so hard. The question I, I even struggle asking saying the question out loud, but like, would I change anything if I could? And it's such a hard question because I'm like, well, I've learned so much about myself and I've grown so much through all of this that I love who I am today. And I don't, I would never want to change who I am today because of the losses, but yeah, I do anything to have them back. So how do you answer that question? <laughs> I, yeah. Um, I totally understand your reaction to that I, I I do um although you know yeah without getting into my story because it's not about me I, I understand that completely yeah mm-hmm. well I mean I think all conversations are about both people involved so I mean share away if you want to <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just um people don't always know what to say um sometimes things come up that maybe shouldn't be said. Um, and they're not always, they don't always come from a bad place. They come from a place of uneasiness. You know, even myself, I don't know sometimes what to say when I hear of somebody passing and you just, it's awkward, you know, cause there are no words to explain how sad you feel for somebody who's lost someone. So I don't feel that those feelings have words that equalize what they mean you know so it's very hard for me anyways to find the words to to tell someone because you know you say you're sorry and then it's like well what are you apologizing for and then you say something else and nothing feels right you know but at the same time there are people who sometimes ask us questions that I would rather have not heard you know like why is this taking you a long time and, you know, we all lose somebody, get over it. And, you know, these are all things that, you know, maybe you have heard. I know that I've heard. I know that other people have heard. And um, they can be hurtful, you know. So sometimes if you don't know what to do, but you want to be there for somebody, ask them what they need. 
And we don't always know to ask that question. So I think it's important to bring it up just because everybody needs something different. Not everybody cries. Not everybody hides their feelings like I did. Not, a, not everybody, um, you know, es- tries to escape and avoid their feelings. Some people really do want to talk about it. So find out because what you needed in that moment, you may not even have known. But if somebody mm-hmm. came out to ask you, maybe it's something you would have think- thought about. And then when you were ready, you could say, hey, you know what? I really need this. You know, I think yeah. that would be comforting. I think, you know, like I haven't heard any of the, like, it's, it's been a while yet because we're, it was too fairly close together. So I don't think any, I think anyone's a little scared to venture. I mean, I've been very open and honest with my grief and my struggles. And so I I think in that respect, people, they really don't know what to do with that, Mm -hmm. right? When you hide it, when you avoid it, when you don't share, people assume you're okay and then they get to go on with their life and they don't have to worry about you anymore Mm -hmm. but when you do share and so for me I mean I had more of those thoughts like okay like it's almost been you know it's two and a half years since mom died like sooner or later you've got to get over this and then I talk to people that have lost someone a long time ago and they tell me no the grief never goes away you learn to live with it you get better at managing it but it never goes away. And in the beginning that used to terrify me because like, I can't live like rest of my life feeling like this. I, I won't survive this. I can't, I can't be a mom. I can't run like, no. And now um, I understand what they mean by that, that the grief never goes away. And when it hits me, like yesterday, it hit me like a tidal wave again. And I was in bed crying and it was just like, okay, well, you've been here before you know what to do and it's okay to be here in this moment and I but I did know what to do so I let myself feel it I let myself even though it feels like weakness and all of those things that we're not supposed to you know um I just let myself stay there until I went okay now you're going to get up and now you're going to do this because that's what's going to make you feel better absolutely and and the people that we lose we they affect us in so many different ways I mean this is your family it's just somebody, these are people that, um, and even if they weren't your family, but people that have impacted who you are, they're, they've molded, you know, your life would not be the same if it wasn't for them in it. It's, it's huge, you know, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but like at first everybody just comes around and wants to make sure you're okay. And then when things die off, people go back to their own lives. And although, you know, part of that is good, it also feels like a loss because sometimes you want, you know, when you're not ready to have people around, they all come. (laughs) Right. And then, you know, six months later, when you're like, Oh my God, I really want to talk to somebody. It's like, they've moved on. Right. Well, cause that, you know, that first, especially the first two weeks, you know, you're, you're so busy. Yes, <laughs> it takes time. There's you so don't much to do. even, there's so much to do. And you don't even, you just go into survival mode and the adrenaline and everything is going. And yeah, you're surrounded by people and they're bringing you food and they're all these. And you're just like, oh, okay. And then the funeral's done and they get to go back to their normal life. And you sit at home now by yourself. Your life is never the same. And there's nobody there like those first two weeks I was in so much adrenaline mode and like I didn't need them then but a month in when I was starting to do like trying to sell my mom's house going through her house and sorting through things like 
and I, I was very fortunate. I had, I have some of the most amazing friends in the world. And I, again, I was really proud of myself because I remember we were at my mom's house and my one friend had shown up and I was just sitting on my mom's stairs and she kind of looked at me and she said, are you okay? And I looked at her, I said, I can't do this. I cannot go through her things. I cannot do this. And she said, okay. She goes, you just sit right there and I'm going to go get started. And you're just going to tell me and I'm going to do it all. And she did. She organized the entire estate sale. She organized my mom's entire house. She did it all. And I just sat there and directed or talked to people. Like anyone that came in and bought something, they would sit down and like her piano was my grandparents' piano, went to someone whose mom had dementia and loved to play. Mm-hmm. So like, diff- it, it just, yeah. So again, had I not been able to say, I can't do this. I don't know what I would have done because she wouldn't have known what I needed, but just by saying I can't, she said, well, I can. And to be brave enough, sometimes it's hard sometimes to, to really be honest to other people about how we're feeling because we're so worried about what they're going to think. You know, that's why I think it's so important that we, we learn to love ourselves because it's moments like these that you really do need to be kind and, you know, you need to, I don't know. You just need to really need to, be honest. Yeah, you need to be kind, but you almost need to push a little bit. And so what I mean by that is, um, again, right after my mom passed, another friend, um, colleague and friend, he'd called and we were chatting and I was struggling and I was crying and all the emotions. And, and again, it's interesting because so many people think that if you let things out, you're going to scare people away. And I found the complete opposite by me going to that place and just not being able to hide it. Like I literally could not hide my grief. And so it came out in every conversation, I'd be crying and, and everything. And, but people, they, they supported me in that in a way that like, we shouldn't be scared of it because the right, the people that care about us, they will support us through it. And so he kept saying, what do you need? And I kept saying, I don't know. I wish I could answer that question, but I don't know. And finally he said, Mm-hmm. what is the one thing that I can take off your plate right now? And I went, oh, well, that's easy. I was like, I have to stage my mom's house and I have to, you know, move some stuff out and rent a storage locker. And I don't have anyone to help me within like that weekend, Easter weekend, him and three other colleagues drove up from Calgary with a U-Haul and rented a storage unit and helped me move all well. Again, I just directed and they did it. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do when you're feeling like that, you can't put your feelings into words, is doing all the things you have to get done. Things still have to get done. Life doesn't stop, right? That's huge that they were that kind to you. And that's beautiful. I'm glad you let them help, too. Well, again, that's not my (laughs) (laughs) go-to. I like to do everything on my own. I can do this. I'm strong, independent. I'm all the things until I'm not. And it actually, that's a lot of my growth in both of these losses and my divorce too, was that I don't have to do this on my own. I don't, none of us have to do this on our own. We are not built to do this on our own. We need that connection. We need that. We need all of that. And somehow with the society we live in now between social media and phones and now COVID, like we're all living in these bubbles Mm -hmm. and we're not getting that same level of connection 
Yeah, there's nothing worse than having to go through something like a, a loss and then be isolated. Yeah, with my brother. So he passed away December 1st. Um, I think it was like December 7th or 8th. We went into full lockdown in Alberta, like complete full lockdown. And I just looked at my daughter and I was like, oh boy, <laughs> this is going to be rough because I, I couldn't even have mm. any connection. So it was me and her. Thankfully, mm. she was with me for Christmas last year and we actually had a really great Christmas. Um, yeah, so it was good. Yeah, it also makes all the um, things that you have to get done, like funerals and all these things, very impossible and different and um, stressful, I think. Um, yeah, the, the I don't know, it's, it's brave um, to be able to, to do. I'm so glad that you didn't shut down your emotions. Like, um, for me, I suppressed my feelings for 12 years because I had to take care of everybody else. I felt, which wasn't true. Um, and it can cause, uh, disease, you know, if you yeah. hold things in. Um, so I think it's so important for people as difficult as it could be, um, to try to let people in during those times. Um, because really it can prevent a lot of things, you know, it can prevent addiction, mental health issues. It can prevent, you know, just being physically sick. Um, Absolutely. when you're, when you're storing all of that inside, like losses is, is difficult enough, um, without all of those things added, added. Well, and I think, yeah, one thing that I've learned too, is that our bodies, or my body anyways stores everything I'm feeling and if I don't let it out then it will manifest physically it will manifest in ways that I don't even know and so I always say and people still look at me like I'm crazy when I say this I'm like I still cry every day sometimes they're happy tears they're not always sad tears like I am just a crier never used to be I never used to be and now yeah it can be happy tears it can be a commercial it can be my dog it can be my daughter something sets me off lots of times they are still sad tears but i know that's my body releasing right all of these stored emotions and the other side of being brave enough to come forward or open up and share again i was very very fortunate that the people in my life allowed me to do that mm -hmm. and what happens a lot of times is we get brave and we share or we're in a place we don't have a choice and we have to start letting things out and the people around us don't give us the space or hold space for us to do that and we get taught it's not safe to mm -hmm. talk about what we're feeling so again had i not had those reactions from people around me that they stepped in and held me through that it i'd probably be telling a very different story today Yes, that's so true. You know, I just finished recording an episode as well on boundaries. And, you know, it also filters into our conversation today because you do have to um, set up boundaries on how much, um, not only how much you tell people, but how much you accept in and, and all the negative energy too. And there's just so many things around um, loss and, and death. And it's... I have a hard time sometimes describing in two words what it feels like, because I don't think that the language has caught up with the emotion behind um, how we feel, you know, what would you say to somebody who is having a hard time asking um, for help when they are grieving? What's, you know, what, what's something that perhaps 
Um, so for example, if I want to console somebody who has just gone through something and I want to help them and they're kind of refusing, you know, what's something that maybe we can do on the outside in? Like, what would you have appreciated? Honestly, for me, and again, I, I know some of the things that I needed might be unique, but I felt like this after my divorce, this was the first time I really realized this is that sometimes I just needed someone to sit beside me, like literally just sit beside me. I may not like, there are times I didn't want to talk. One of my friends came over in January and she's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I just want to watch a movie and you're just going to sit beside me. <laughs> she's you like, talk to me? yeah. yeah. I, did don't, I, I, I don't have the energy. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the language, but I don't want to be alone. What do you do? I'm like, I just want you to come and just, it was COVID. I'm like, you can sit at the other end of the couch and I'll sit at this end and we're just going to watch movie. So I'm not alone. And she's like, okay. You know, I get a night out too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good that you, that you, yeah, we're in tune to ask for that, you know, because sometimes it's the little things that are so, so big. For me, it was, can you call these family members for me? I don't want to have to repeat this whole story again, because it just makes it like meaningless for me. Like the more I told the more I told, well, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you that this person, you know, the more and more and more I did that, it became like crazy. I just felt like on repeat and repeat and the pain kept coming and coming and then you just become so numb when you're telling people you're like well I didn't really say that with any emotion they probably you know what I mean like I, I just it's just you, you almost just tell them you know yeah you almost like detach from your body and it feels like you're watching yourself have this conversation and like the day that my mom passed when the hospital called and the first he's like you know do you want to come and say goodbye and I was like no why would I want to do that? And then I hung up and I went, oh my God, I have to go and say goodbye. Mm. So I drove out to say my goodbyes. And then I, you, you do, you go into, or at least I did into this logical place. So I went out, I spent a couple hours just sitting with her mm. and it was really hard to leave. Um, but eventually I had to. And then I was like, oh, well, my daughter's dad was in Mexico. His family's in Palm Springs. Like I had no support even for anyone to take her mm. for a night just so that I could cry. Although she did say I kept her up crying. So, I mean, it's not like I didn't cry, <laughs> but yeah. she was also very sweet. She slept with me every night, just her choice. She's like, mom, I just want to cuddle. I'm like, okay. But I went, so after I said my goodbyes, I was like, mm, I need groceries for the week. I'm going to go grocery shopping. So my dad was with um, my daughter and I just called him like, hey, I'm just going to stop and get some groceries. And he's like, okay. So something someone could have done in that moment would have been, why don't you come home and I'll go get the groceries, right? But he also knows me that if I say I need to do something, I need to do something. So I went to the store and I bought my groceries and just like numb, no emotion, no anything. I get to the till and she's like, oh, hi, how are you? Looked her dead in the eyes and said, my mom died today. Oh. And she just went. And I didn't say, I'm sorry for Like, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> just Aww. nothing. And she's like packing my groceries. I don't know if she, I, I don't know, but it was like, I was watching somebody else in that moment, just say with no motion and why I said it, I don't know, but it was just like, just my mom died today. Maybe you needed to hear it out loud to make it real. Maybe it's hard to know, 
but yeah, going back to the question, like, I think, and I think sometimes we look at someone and we think, oh, well, they've got their family around them. Mm. They'll be okay. But maybe that family isn't the support they need. Right. Because your family is also trying to heal. You're all in pain. You know, yeah. like, you, like, I think it's great that your dad was there to take, take your daughter. Um, but at the same time, your dad was in pain. Well, him and like, my parents got divorced when I was young. So mm -hmm. But surprisingly, he he was like at the yeah. time I didn't. Not that I didn't, I probably didn't give him enough grace mm. for what he may have been feeling because he did come out to the hospital with me to see my mom at that Christmas. So before she passed, mm -hmm. because she had stopped breathing that Christmas and the doctors told me like, this is probably it. Like you should get out here right now. And then she completely turned around and did so well on Christmas she was she remembered all of us mm -hmm. and my dad left the hospital in tears that day and that's when I kind of went oh just because they've been divorced for 30 years yeah you know she's still the mother of his children absolutely still, yeah so I, I learned both. things yeah. yeah but it's but at the same time it still would be nice if you could say to a friend that maybe isn't as close to the situation can you take my daughter out, show her a really good time? I don't want to have to worry about putting these adult burdens on a child. I don't want her to necessarily, it's important that kids see us cry. I think yeah. to know that things happen in life and then you can um, feel better, you know, about those things, you know, one day. And I think it's important not to play life as, you know, it's all just roses and, and stuff. But at the same time, we have to be careful with putting adult pressures on kids, right? So sometimes it's important to just have that one person who's maybe not as close to our, the person that passed that can say, hey, you know, I'm ne not necessarily grieving and I need to help my friend, you know? Yeah. And again, like looking back, I don't think I realized how amazing, I mean, I know my friends are amazing, but you know, the week that she passed that week where I didn't have anyone to, you know, any family to really take her. Um, the one night a couple girlfriends came over and they brought supper and played cards and with my daughter, right? And I just got to sit back. I didn't play. I just sat back and watched. And it was just amazing. And the next night, um, the same colleagues that rented the U-Haul, a couple of them drove up from Calgary and brought us supper. And, you know, here's these two guys drawing on my daughter's chalkboard wall with her, <laughs> making her laugh like I hadn't, right? And just being goofy and everything was so light. And again, I just sat back and was just like, thank you. Yeah, it allows you not to feel guilty about taking care of yourself and what you need to think about, you know, sometimes yeah. when something like this happens, you, you don't even know where to start. Like, you have anger, you have regrets, you have guilt, you have sadness, you have shock, you have so many things um, that you need to just be numb, you know, to take to take the news even in like you said the first two weeks sometimes even a month is all about preparing for what is this going to be like um let's get to funeral arrangements done let's all these horrible things that you never thought you'd be in a place to have to decide all well, these even that that sorry even that first year though because it's the first birthday it's the first mother's day it's the first christmas it's it, it like i i've felt that with my mom I don't think I grieved that whole first year I thought I was grieving because I was so sad and angry and all those things but I wasn't really grieving yet and the anniversary for my brothers is coming up in a month today and 
I kind of, it's like, wow, I've made it a year without them. And so I made it through all those firsts, but I don't think I've truly started the grieving process. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, it's okay. Everybody has a different timeline. Everybody grieves in a different way. Um, some people are more outward about it than inward, as you know, and it's okay. And if people don't give us that space, it's okay that we ask for that space. You know, life doesn't return back to normal. Um, it just, we start, I don't know about you, but um, I hear, and same for me, but I hear a lot of people re-evaluating what's important to them. And because death is so final that sometimes um, it really does change who we are completely. And that could be a good thing. And that could be a bad thing. It just depends. Yeah. And I think, again, the support is so big. And if we don't have that support, like even I had the support and I still, for the last six years, I have had therapists and coaches and I wouldn't have made it through this without my friends but I also wouldn't have made it through this without because it's, it's like our kids right we can only put so much of this on the people in our lives no matter how great of friends they are no matter how great our families are we can only put so much of what we're feeling on the people in our lives on a daily basis and so the therapy for me it just gave me that truly and I remember when my brother passed and I went to the same therapist and I just I was like I don't know what to do because I feel like I just went through this and just dumped all my emotions on all of my friends. Mm. And I just can't do that again. I can't do that to them again, but this is feeling harder. Like, what do I do? And she just kind of looked at me and she said, well, I can take it. Aww. Dump it on me. And I said, okay, <laughs> thank you. Because yes, but I, I needed put people off and, and be like, oh, here we go again. You know, you don't, for, even though they're great friends, I mean, people only have certain amount of limits, right, too. Well, and, and they have they stuff going on in there, yeah. in their lives. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad that you reached out. Not everybody does. So it's so important to have somebody outside of your circle, but that can help you. You know, sometimes, yeah, because the people in your circle, they are grieving and they grew up the same way. So their perception's the same. And you do need somebody to come in and kind of um, show you a different side or allow you a safe place to, to talk about it without worrying about how they feel. You know, even sometimes when we're talking with our friends, like for me, I know the back of my mind, I'm always like, okay, I hope, is that just too much? Or how much do I say? Or I'm worried about offending them or, if, you know, how they're going to feel. With a therapist or somebody like third party kind of person, they care, but they're more there to separate their feelings from, you know, what needs to get done, right? So I'm glad that you did that. Well, and in that moment, what she did for me is she gave me permission. And I think that's something we need to do for each other more often is give each other permission mm. to feel what we're feeling, share what we need to share. And yeah, we obviously can't dump everything on our friends all the time. Um, but just get, holding space, giving permission to me, those are the things that I've learned. And, and a therapist, I mean, she gave me tools, so many tools that, again, I wouldn't be where I am today if I wouldn't have made those choices to go and talk to her. 
What are some of the tools? Do you mind sharing a couple with us? Yeah, I mean, so many tools. So one of the first things, um, and I mean, these are kind of throughout the last few years, so they're not all um, directly related to grief, they're related to just different things that I've gone through. But one of them is to take the word should out of my vocabulary. I should have gone to see my mom more. I should have pushed harder for my brother. I should, I should, I should. And it's that guilt and shame all wrapped up into one word. And that this was a male therapist and he said, you need to take the word should out of your vocabulary. You could have done these things. Mm. You didn't. So forgive, take the word out of your vocabulary. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that really clicked for me. Um, another one is sometimes when I get into this loop um, and I, I go to a dark place and I struggle with pulling myself out of it. And so this was very early on. And uh, this therapist said, you know what, you're going to give yourself a certain time mm -hmm. every day. You can do a time in the morning, a time in the afternoon, in the beginning, and you get to do whatever you need to do, like cry, scream, yell, whatever you need to do during that time, you, you get to do that. But then when the time is up, mm -hmm. put it away, knowing you get to come back to it this afternoon. And as you do that, again, you're giving yourself permission to feel everything you need to feel, but you're also scheduling that time so when the time is up it's like okay now I'm gonna put that away and I'm gonna go on with my day and then as you do that you're training your your brain really how to feel those feelings and how to manage those feelings those were two big ones that's great yeah because then you're you're carving out intentional time for for what needs to be dealt with too but yeah not staying there mm -hmm. not staying there so you're letting yourself feel and again it's that you give yourself permission. So, so many times we deny ourselves the permission to feel because we're scared. Like it's scary to feel big emotions and not be in control of them. Well, maybe that's just me. I like to be in control. So um, that was a tough one, but yeah. And then just so many little, well, I mean, I say they're little things. They sound little, but they're really not. Right. Um, and then the other big one was, and that this is actually what, helped me pick myself up after my brother was picking one thing to do for myself that day, like in that moment. And so for me, I start, I have like this green powder. That's like all the nutrients and veggies and fruit all into a powder. And I always would drink this in the morning and whenever, whatever it is that takes me to a dark place, it's the first thing I stopped doing. And then I stopped getting outside and then I stopped going to the gym and I stopped doing the things that make me feel good. So not drinking the green drink was my spiral down. Mm. It suddenly became my spiral up. So that was the first thing I did was every day I started making my green drink again. It sounds so silly. It takes 30 seconds to dump the powder in and mix it up and drink it. It's but not silly. Yeah. That's it's, what did it. silly. it's also the part of the scheduling and getting into a routine and getting your life back in some kind of normal plus the health benefits of the drink right but but it's true like I was going to ask you what do you do for for self-care because I think that's so important to give yourself that space right and the permission to love yourself and 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 be okay with those days that are not okay yeah I, I was talking to a girlfriend on Friday night because she's going through some tough things and it's been great. Like, I love watching my friends kind of start on a similar journey as me when it comes to the self-growth and the therapy. And like, I, I love when people call and say, who's a good therapist. It's one of my favorite things. So I'm like, yay, because again, there's so much 
learning to do. Um, anyways, and I just said to her like the whole, it's okay to not be okay, but self-care for me can mean carving out time to go to the gym. It can mean taking my dog for a walk. It can mean having a bath, reading a book, all of those booking a massage, all of the things that, you know, we're told to do, but what self-care ultimately meant for me, and this was a really, really hard one for someone that, you know, is ambitious and a perfectionist and control freak, all these things was I started on the weekends that my daughter was with her dad. Mm. Sometimes on the Sunday, I won't do anything. I might walk my dog. I might go to the gym. I might vacuum. But I sit on my couch and I watch TV. <laughs> no, that's awesome because you don't have that responsibility of another human being, right? So you can do that. That's that's great. I'm glad that that has allowed, you know, sometimes losses come with gifts. <laughs> They do. They really, really do. And I mean, it takes you a little while to get there to yes. see that, but there are gifts in everything. And yeah, for me to give myself again, I keep using the word permission um, to do that every once in a while. I mean, I don't do it every week, mm. but you know, maybe once a month and I will, again, I might walk the dog. I might go to the gym. I might have a bath. Like I'll, I'll still do something, but I just sit there and just go, hmm, this is kind of nice. There's no pressure to do anything. Did you, and you don't have to answer this, but I'm just curious because sometimes when I think of my own journey of loss, I think of if, if, if this is something other people feel. So when, when you, you had your losses in your life, do you ever feel that guilty for being happy? Oh, yes. Because I constantly would get mad at everybody because it's like, why are you smiling? Somebody great died today. Like, what are you doing? Like, how, how can I, you know, and I think it's important that we don't feel bad about that. Cause I think it's, it's a, I don't know. I'm hoping it's a normal thing. I think it is. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts? I hope it's normal too, because I exactly the same thing to the point that I couldn't even go on social media because I was ready to yell at people being like, how are you sharing something so insignificant and thinking it's so funny and so great? Like, don't you know, people are dying, but you know, my mom just died. Like, how dare you? And I was so angry. And then as I moved through that, I mean, I still have those moments where I'm like, really? Like, that's what you're so worried about. Like, right. Which is unfair. And I know it's unfair, but the, the guilt or the, the feeling of, I, I don't deserve to be happy because they're not here. Why do I get to go on with my life and be happy and smile and laugh and, you know, travel and, and live this amazing life when they're dead. Mm. And I went through with my mom. I went through it worse with my brother and I still, and, and what I, I'd gotten to a point too. And this, I, I got scared because whenever I felt good, someone died. Like I got to the point that as soon as I started to kind of feel good and be like, okay, I, I can do this without them. I, you know, my daughter needs me. I need me. I can do this. I'm going to, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to be happy again. Phone rings. And it was just so I get, I get scared to be happy because I can't take any, I, I don't want those phone calls ever again. Although it's and just pure coincidence, but that's how we, re we rationalize it. Yes. Yeah. The perception so, is yeah. Isn't it? It is. And I, I've talked to a lot of people have opened up to me about their grief since I've opened up about mine. And from what I'm learning, it is a very normal thing 
to feel guilty about being happy when our loved ones aren't here, to be happy with us or share in these moments, right? And that's, that's why I say it's one day at a time, because I don't know how I'm going to feel during the course of that day. And I've learned to be so in tune with my body and so in tune with my emotions that I can wake up and feel great. And a song now songs don't always make me cry. Or if they do, sometimes it's happy tears. It's a good memory coming out in those tears, but I don't know what the rest of my day is going to look like. And sometimes like I tell my friends going through stuff, tough stuff all the time. Sometimes it's minute by minute. Sometimes it's hour by hour. Sometimes it's day by day, but you're going to get through it. Yeah, because you don't know what's going to happen that day that's going to trigger something or, um, you know, if you go somewhere and be like, oh, if that person was here, this is what they would think or I'd want to share it with them. When you love somebody, it you never stop missing them. You know? No, you, you don't. Never, you never do. You never do. And that's why the grief doesn't go away because the love doesn't stop because they're not here the love almost hurts more because they're not here. And like you said, you don't get to share like my daughter's Halloween costume yesterday. You know what I wouldn't have done to send that to my mom, send it to my brother and be like, Oh, look how awesome she is. And I still have those thoughts. Like not even that long ago, I went to call my mom like earlier this year, Mm. I had an amazing experience with a horse. I love horses. And my mom, that's what me and my mom did together was the horses And a lifelong dream came true of getting to ride this specific breed of horse. And I went to call her Mm -hmm. and then I cried the whole way home because I realized she was dead. Yeah. It's taken me those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And it's taken me a long time to say, like I've said that she's gone. She's not here. She left me, but to say she's dead, that's new. Like that's, I'm just being able to say those words. Yeah, because it sounds so blunt, but it's just, it's the facts, Yeah, you know, but it's, it's, yeah. Um, I'm glad that you're working, you know, you're working through things and it's a long process. Like I'm still working through, through losses that I've had too. And it's, it is tough, but it's so healthy to talk about it. It's so healthy to not avoid talking about it. Um, it can really prevent other things from coming forth, you know, from things getting worse. And I think that we can still continue our relationship with the person that has passed away, uh, just in a different way, you know, take it from, we have to change it from one of being present to still feeling them around us. Like, it doesn't mean that you, it's not okay to talk about them. You know, it, it doesn't mean that it's not okay you know, like it's still okay to, to talk about them and to experience them and feel them, even though it, it hurts, it hurts, but I would rather have um, them, you know, have had them in my life and feel the pain that I do now than, than not have that relationship at all, which is hard too, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, feeling them, talking to them, all of that, they are still here. I don't know what I believe as to where we go. I really don't, um, but I I have to believe that they're still with me and that they saw my daughter in her costume yesterday. Yeah. And, you know, and like at my brother's um, funeral, of course it was during COVID, so it wasn't much of a service, but um, I talked about, he didn't get his driver's license when we were kids and he was a couple of years older than me. And so I had a truck because of the horses. 
And my mom, I don't know, she must have been away for work or something. And he took my truck and was whipping donuts in a gas um, parking lot, gas station. And of course, someone saw it and I got in trouble. And so that's what I said at his funeral was, you know what, Mike, I hope that you're telling mom all the things that you did that I got blamed for. (laughs) Because I know they're together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a tough month for you. I know. Um, you you mentioned that the the month the uh, in one month you'll have the anniversary of your brother. And are you going to spend the day you think by yourself or with with others? Probably by myself. Um, I've definitely learned that there are things that I need to do on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably it depends. I don't know if. I have to look, my daughter might be with me that day. And if she's with me, then I know she likes to be like, she's nine now. And it's amazing how perceptive and kind she is. And I think that, you know, it's tough that she's had these losses um, for such a young, yeah, but I mean, the person that she is becoming, like, she's like, well, mom, I don't want you to be alone on that day. I know. And I'm like, oh, honey like she's just amazing and you know going back to your question a little while ago where you asked like what can we do for people grieving one of the biggest things is let them talk about their people yes and don't be like looking at your watch it's like if you don't have the time to have a conversation with me please don't or if if you're if you ask if you know if you really want to know how I am be prepared for the answer because it's going to be more than just one word you know, if you don't have the time at that moment, then don't, you know, don't start something because I'm going to need some time, you know, I'm going to need some time to answer you and, and to do all these things. I think it's really great that you're preparing yourself for, um, to have that time if that's what you need. And when you get to that day, you may need something completely opposite and that's okay too. Um, what I don't recommend because I've done all the wrong things um, is not giving yourself that time. And then the next day kicking yourself because why did I let that day go by and not think of this person because I was trying to be strong or whatever it is, Um, you know, don't have regrets and and just go with what you're feeling at at the time and don't let anybody dictate what that is. Like everybody has their own timeline. Everybody has um, their own feelings. And, you know, if you lose somebody and you don't cry and that's the way you deal with it, then that's okay too. You you know, not everybody cries. Not everybody feels things um, and expresses things the same way. You know, if you need to go and, and hit something, like hit a pillow for half an hour or whatever it is, or go for a run or, you know, everybody is different. As long as you're expressing it the way that you need to express it, like individually, that's important. Like, don't judge, don't judge someone, you know, because their story is different than yours or the way that they cope is different than yours. I think we just need to stop judging. And, you know, you mentioned labels in the beginning. To me, a label is judgment, right? We use words as our judgments and we put labels on these people or on each other, on ourselves as a way to judge and label and these words then have effect Mm -hmm. on people like they they I don't know 
I know we all have our labels and yeah, I talk about them in my podcast a lot and the grieving, like being told I was strong. Well, you're strong. You'll get through this. I didn't, maybe I am strong. Maybe I'm not, but I didn't feel strong. So when someone would tell me what I am or what I am not, I just felt so disconnected because like, mm. I'm not strong. Yeah. Or maybe I, I need to live up to that being strong, mm. even though I'm not, because otherwise I'm letting somebody down. Like it just puts all this imposition, you know, on you. Yeah. And, and you, you often talk about in your show, um, how the labels can be positive or negative, you know? And I think that's so important because people automatically assume that they're negative. No, no words can do. I'm losing my voice. <laughs> words can be a great thing and they can be an awful thing. Mm. And the thing with labels too, is sometimes it's our internal reaction to a word. So if someone tells, uses a word to describe me, I had this recently where I was described with the word challenging mm. or difficult. And right away, I'm like, oh, what? Defensive, right? <laughs> right. But that's because that's my reaction to a word that has been used in a certain way towards me in the past. And this person was like, no, I love that you're challenging me. I love that you don't let me get away with these things. And you say, wait a second, let's go back to that. Let's talk about that more. And I went, oh, it's okay. Good. For that person, those words were a good thing. So it just goes back to the whole labels can be good or bad. And the same word can be used as a good label or a bad label. And it depends on the interpreter and yes. the person saying the word. That's true, based on your own personal experiences too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like sometimes people say, oh, I'm crazy, or, you know, or I'm too open with my heart or I'm too emotional. But I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like you might think it's a negative thing and maybe I did most of my life as well, but now it's something I celebrate having emotions because I didn't for so long. So it just depends on how you interpret what people you know, do you believe them? Do you not believe them? There's so many. There's a lot of layers. Yeah. And that's like, when I started my podcast, I was like, labels are terrible. <laughs> and now I'm like, wait, maybe I need to reframe my view on labels. And so I, I don't know which ones you've listened to, but I, I'm kind of starting to do that now where like the last one I used a lot of the two labels, too skinny, too emotional, too this, too that. And it's just kind of like, okay, but where do those come from? Yeah. Why am I tell me that? <laughs> like, who yeah. Measures, who measures that? Is there like a, you know, a metric, like, is, is there really a measurement for those things? Exactly. What are we basing on? You know, where's the, yeah, I want to get rid of labels for sure. Me too. And because you said, even the, yeah, even the positive ones are still can still have a negative effect if that makes sense. Like I just, again, judgment to me comes out in our words. It comes out in how we speak to each other. And I just, yeah, we should, we need to strip away labels. That's it. <laughs> and none of us are perfect. I mean, I do it too. You know, I judge people at times and then catch myself after. And it's just, I think it's, it's a habit we all need to break too, because we don't necessarily um, do it intentionally but it's there, you know, it's sometimes there and, and we could really be upsetting someone. 
um, by doing that. And we can have the, you know, leave the wrong impressions. So many times we identify ourselves, but with a, what we think other people want us to be, you know, yes. and grief is the same way and, and labels is the same way and just stop imposing ourselves on everybody. Like our thinking does not mean the way that we think is not always the right way. So not everybody needs to think like us, feel like us, look like us, be like us, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think we need to also be, be accepting of who we are. And if there are things about us that we don't like, you know, be curious enough to change those things, you know, and to take care of ourselves. Yeah, so important. I love curiosity. And I always talk about giving ourselves permission to be perfectly imperfect and giving the people around us permission to be perfectly imperfect because we know we're not perfect, but yet sometimes we have the expectation that we need to, or we have these expectations in other people, but yeah, they need to react a certain way. They need to say this or do that. And that's not fair because they're not us. They have a completely different experience, a completely different life that has shaped who they are. So there's no possible way they can know what we need in that moment because they're not us. So if we don't accept people for that and and that's part of it too if we can accept that we're all perfectly imperfect then the judgment starts to fall away Mm -hmm. i mean how else are we going to really grow you know unless we can really dissect some of the things you know about us and why do we think this way you know instead of yeah i just don't like it well why don't you like it like as a parent I hated that when I heard other parents just say, oh, you shouldn't do it. But why? Because I said you shouldn't. I always try to give a reason, yeah. you know, but then sometimes it bites me because my son is a really good negotiator. And sometimes if he wants to do something and I'll say, well, no, I don't really want you to do that. And he'll say why. And I don't really have a good reason. I just maybe am afraid of something or, you know, and he'll come and kind of argue that point and say, well, this is why I think I should. And I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Like, just because I'm older <laughs> right, doesn't mean that I've got the, you know, sometimes we need to listen to other people and they'll show us things that maybe we, we haven't seen before. We need to listen to each other and we need to take ourselves out of it sometimes, <laughs> especially as a parent, right? Because I mean, I know I, I do this all the time with my daughter. I'm like, no, because when I was your age, like, this is what I would have wanted. It's like, well, I can't do that to her because I'm not her. <laughs> yeah, they're, I think they're, um, they're a lot smarter. Well, I, mine's a lot smarter than I was at his age, I think, and a lot more in tune with who he is, which is great. But yeah, I think the new generation is, is coming to terms more and being more accepting of self-care and self-love and just sticking up for themselves you know yes whether that's in grief or whether that's through uh, any kind of challenges and adversity you know to really just allow ourselves to do what we need well and I think they're they're learning that from us like I I look at you know my mom and my dad's generation and they were not talking about these things because that's how they were raised right they my, my mom didn't teach me about grief not because she was a bad mom but because that just wasn't acceptable, right? Like her mom died when I was 13. I didn't see her cry, um, right? I, I saw this strong, amazing woman who I looked up to for all of these things. Right. Looking back, I'm like, you know, mom, I would have looked up to you just as much if you would have shared a little bit more and, and taught me how to grieve to prepare me for this moment. 
And so I've taken all of that. And when I'm raising my daughter, I'm coming at it from a totally, as it sounds like you are, we're coming at it from a different perspective where we want our kids to have more of these tools to know that self-care is okay, to know that we can accept ourselves and we can accept other people around us for who we are and who they are. And we don't have to be the same. Yeah, we don't have to be strong all the time. My way, my parents taught me or we thought that they were thinking, you know, teaching me about grief, although we never really talked about it, was um, if there, whenever somebody had passed that was even a distant friend, um, they would have us go with them to the funeral home because they're like, we want you to go and understand how our tradition is and what happens when somebody passes away when it's not somebody in your immediate family, when it's somebody you haven't met, just so you could see and not be affected by the, but it just scared the crap out of me. Like as a kid, like I know that they were trying to do it as, you know, if, if, if you kind of see what the experiences is like, then when it, when it is somebody close to you, when it, it's nothing like that. It's nothing. When my father died, it was nothing like that. You know, the motions are the same. You go and the tradition is the same. You say, but completely like different. That doesn't prepare me at all. And I don't know that there would be anything that they could say to prepare me. But what we can do, I think, is just to make them strong enough people to love themselves enough, to take care of themselves and not feel that they have to be there for everybody else. I think that we can teach, you know? We can't teach someone how to feel through grief. We can't teach someone how to act. We can't teach them, you know, this is the timeline, this is what happens. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And you're right, I think in teaching them to love themselves and that self-care, and you said something important there too, that I don't know, like we, we can't be everything for everybody else right? Like we, we can't always be there for the people around us because sometimes we have to be there for us first. And we are so taught, it's ingrained in us to not be selfish. Yes. I don't know if I, I mean, I don't think selfish is the right word because taking care of yourself first shouldn't have a word like selfish attached to it because if we don't take care of ourselves, we're useless to everybody around us. So mm -hmm. how is that selfish if we put ourselves first? I think we need to, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying, uh, Nikki. I just, it's almost like the two things can exist at the same time. You can take care of yourself and take care of other people. It doesn't have to be one or another. It's right. just, if you have them both, your life, I think, is richer. I think you're able to do both things better, you know? Well, and I think for me, it's about honesty. Like I have said to friends, I want to be here for you and I will be not in this exact moment. Can I call you tomorrow? That's great. I like I call that you later. Yeah. I like that. I, you know, I do want to give you my attention. I just, I just can't do it right now. And that shows that you love them and that you want to get back to them and that they mean something to you. And that, you know, I think that's beautiful. Well, and when I like it, that's not a right, that's when I'm in, you know, the depths of my grief that I, I don't have the capacity. But I think it's I don't beautiful because you're being honest with yourself and you're asking for what you want and what you need in that moment. You know, it's not something ideally we wake up and we want to put people off. It's not that. It's just that I'm glad, I'm glad that you did that. Like, I think that's very healthy 
is what I mean, you know, for yourself. It enriches the friendship because then when I do call them back or call them the next day, then I actually have something to give them. Right. And I can give them my full attention. I can give them my full energy. I can say, okay, let's, you know, I'm all in. let it up. I'm all in. I'm here. I love that so much. Yeah. yeah. Cause we do have to show up for people, you know, but we also need to get, let them show up for us. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I'm so glad we had this conversation. I mean, we didn't talk about labels as much as I wanted, but I kept wanting to talk about grief. So, you know, listen to her podcast. And honestly, um, I've learned a lot from you today. And thank you so much for sharing, sharing with us. Is there anything you wanted, something else you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to, to mention? I think the biggest thing is learning from each other. So with my podcast, I've had a few guests on that have gone through traumatic experiences or traumatic losses. And it's like you just said, you've learned from me today. I learn something in every conversation when people open up. And so I've learned things from you today. I've learned things from every guest I have. And just imagine if we all took one step forward in opening up and sharing and listening to each other, how much better of a place the world would be. Yeah. And in your podcast, you mentioned that the more you opened up, even though it is tough, the more you opened up, the more other people opened up because you create a community that says, it's okay. I'm not going to think less of you. I'm not going to think that you're weak. I'm not, you know, if anything, I'll think that you're even stronger, you know, and you'll feel stronger in sharing. Yeah. I kept getting, people were messaging me and saying like, you're so brave. I love reading your words, keep sharing. And then as time went on, I was getting messages saying, oh, you know, my mom died of dementia. My dad died of dementia, so-and-so. And, you know, your words just take me right back to that place. And thank you. And then they, they talked to me about that. Or I have a girl I went to high school with um, reaching out to me right now because her mom's going through a few things. And if I wouldn't have shared, mm. she wouldn't know what I went through. She wouldn't have reached out to me so that I could support her through this. I love that so much because, you know, loneliness is, is something that I would like to um, eradicate as much as possible with this show. And the fact that you do that, um, it's beautiful to me because you're also preventing people from feeling isolated and, and feeling alone, um, even though sometimes we feel like that ourselves, you know, it's important in those times to remember how horrible that feels. And that's why we reach out to other people. Sometimes we start sharing our story for us, but it quickly um, turns into so much more than that. So much more. And I think because I was so raw and honest in my sharing, people know that there isn't anything that they can say to me that I haven't already said or felt. So I've become this safe place for a lot of people, which is amazing. It's so beautiful. Thank you for that. Honestly, I can tell that a lot of people have been touched by, by, by connecting with you and I have as well. So I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you for a wonderful conversation and everybody be sure to check out her podcast life as dot, dot, dot with Nikki Pike and, um, yeah, connect with you on Facebook too. I want to see, you know, be a part of your community. Mm-hmm. I tend to have some pretty open moments on there as well. So yes, <laughs> that's great. Cause it'll encourage other people to share as well. And that's what we need. We need a world where we can be open and, and share with one another without judgment. So thank you for creating that. Thank you for joining me in the journey. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. 
If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.